At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. For decades, public health experts have warned us about the negative consequences of the obesity epidemic. However, the numbers continue to rise with no signs of slowing down. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention reports that more than 70% of adults over the age of 20 are either overweight or obese. The consequences of obesity are well-established and include functional concerns, such as back and joint stresses, but metabolic ones as well, such as diabetes, hypertension, and consequent heart disease. And there's a direct link between obesity and cancer that we know. As America wages its war against the waistline, weight loss medications have been placed in the spotlight. While there's no magic pill that cures obesity, medications have been developed that can positively impact one's weight. Are they the answer? Today, I've got just the expert to trim the fat around the misinformation surrounding weight loss medications. And that's Dr. Adadapo Iliomade. Dr. Dapo is a preventive cardiologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute and one of my colleagues. Dapo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. So Dapo, before we get into some of the medications, which is some of the premise uh, to, uh, to educate uh, and inform our listeners around some of the advances recently in medications, in your practice, let's talk about what you see regarding the metabolic consequences of, of obesity. Where do you actually see obesity related to true disease and disorders? I think uh, obesity is honestly uh, really where it starts and, and ends um, a lot of times in the patients that I see in my office. Uh, Obesity-related complications can be about blood pressure-related, so hypertension, diabetes, uh, high cholesterol, and ultimately heart disease, uh, stroke, and other um, you know, cardiovascular outcomes that, that we see on a day-to-day basis. So it's it's very prevalent, and obviously, as a preventive cardiologist, you deal with it. What what you know, off the top of your head, what percent of the patients that you see either with heart conditions or that are seeing you for preventive strategies regarding those comorbidities, what percent would be considered overweight or obese? Wow, uh, overweight or obese? We're talking we're talking fifty percent or more. Yeah. Um, the the uh, CDC estimates that by twenty thirty. Uh, greater than 50% of the U.S. population will be classified B. So um, we're already seeing that in our clinics because of the patient population that we deal with. Um, and, and we're going to see that uh, across the board. Yeah. And we're seeing it in younger, younger people as well. So it's not just something that happens as one uh, gets significantly older, right? Absolutely. So uh, the, the population of of young people that's obese is, is, is about one fifth now in the U S and, um, so, you know, patients are coming in younger with, with diseases that we thought used to affect, uh, older populations. So childhood diabetes is, um, is very closely correlated to the childhood obesity epidemic. 
I mean, I've been around a lot longer than you, so I can certainly, you know, <laughs> see these evolutionary, these trends over a couple of decades, but you're even seeing them in a few years uh, of being in practice, which is, which is quite troubling. Well, yeah. we could, we could certainly talk at length about nutrition and diet and what are the components, but that's not the premise of the discussion. So, so let's start talking about medications and pills and how they can impact positively, negatively, or neutrally weight loss. Let's start with a lot of the things that are out there. And, and I have in my practice, people come to me and say, what do you think of this? They give me some bottle that was sold to them at a nutritional store or something. Are there any supplements and nutraceuticals that have been shown to help people lose weight? So the short- let, me, let me phrase that safely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> safely. Yeah. So, so, you know, there, there are a lot of purported benefits of, of supplements out there on the market. The, the short answer is no. Um, the, the vast majority of these supplements, if not 100% of them, um, are, are not cleared by, by any governing body in terms of, uh, you know, quality assurance, safety um, guidelines that our prescription medications are subject to. And so, um, like I said, the short answer is no, there are no proven supplements uh, that lead to any significant weight loss. You know, you know, it's it's interesting, and I and I appreciate that simple answer, and I think it really doesn't warrant any further conversation. There aren't any, but I can say from clinical practice, and maybe this is something you're starting to see. You will see people who will buy a supplement, take it, and lose weight. What they're not realizing is, well, I just spent a hundred bucks in the supplement. I'm also going to eat a little bit less to help myself, and it's just the the, the eating less, if you will, <laughs> that causes yeah. the usually transient weight loss, but they attribute it to the 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 pill. Um, and usually it doesn't last, but I think that that's important. These are not regulated. They're not safe. Uh, I always talk to people saying, if there was something out there that was safe and effective, why wouldn't we recommend it? What do we, what do we have to gain by, by keeping people obese? Uh, and, and the reality is, is cause it's not now, now, again, again, I know you're, 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 uh, have a lot of uh, interest and knowledge and experience in this. Have you used other, if you will, FDA approved weight loss medications that have been out there? If yes, what's been your experience? And if not, why not? What would you feel are the limitations in in the more established medications? We're not talking about some of the recent ones, which we'll get to. Um, um, what's your experience, if any, with those medications? So, so really, my um, my hesitancy with using some of the medications that have been around for some time now. Uh, some of the names people may be familiar with are Orlistat, Fentermin, uh, Naltrexone, Bupropion, et cetera. And these are these are common agents used in in quote unquote weight loss clinics. Um, and and I've had patients who've who've tried them in the past and and lost some some moderate uh, modest amount of weight. My hesitancy using them is really with the side effects and the safety profile. So a lot of these medications. Um, are are not safe to use in in pregnancy or if you have comorbidities or if you have existing cardiovascular disease. Um, they can precipitate things like hypertension, um, uh, precipitate arrhythmias in, in some cases. And and you've seen those and I've seen them as yes, well, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we've I, I've seen those uh, in the clinic, in the hospital, and uh, had to stop many of these medications. So really, it's the safety. And, you know, you're taking that risk with, with you know, to get a, a, a modest three to 5% weight loss uh, reduction. So I mean, we can I, understand I people's, use... people's desperation, but I, it's interesting to say about like weight loss clinics and stuff. I, I'm really not aware of any true cardiovascular specialists that would use them. 
And again, coming back to the original premise, if they worked and they were safe, why wouldn't we? But we're certainly well attuned to those those risks, and they haven't. I guess, and I guess, if they were extremely functional, we wouldn't have need new products. So let's let's you know get to the meat of the conversation. Um, and and two particular products I think worth discussing, and and not to sell them or be or be shills for the pharmaceutical industry, but but I do think they are somewhat different, um, and give us great weapons in the preventive strategies for weight management. Um, and that's semaglutide, and then we'll talk about terzepatide. What can you tell us about semaglutide? Um, um, you know, its history and and again its functionality and and successes and risks. Um, because again, this is now a, a medication that is indicated for obesity and overweight um, you know, with an FDA approval. Yeah, so so semaglutide is a uh, class of medication called a GLP-1 agonist. And basically what um, uh, this group of medications does is that uh, it, it stimulates a hormone uh, in the body that basically tells you Hey, uh, you're full. It's time to stop eating. So they 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 lead to early satiety or feeling feeling full earlier. Um, they also reduce uh, or slow down gastric emptying. So that also adds to the fullness feeling that you get. And people end up eating less. And this you know this medication along with others in that class. I think the first one was liraglutide. Um, also a GLP-1 agonist. Uh, these medications were originally developed to treat diabetes. Uh, and so they studied them in, di- in patients who had diabetes for their glucose lowering effects. And ultimately found that not only were these patients getting their sugar under control, but they were also losing weight. And then in recent years, we found that they were also having less heart attacks, less strokes, and less hospitalizations for cardiovascular reasons. And so they've really taken off in, in, in our world, in, in cardiology, as agents that um, are, are, are effective in, in many ways. Uh, and I think what we're here to talk about today is really the weight loss benefits. And so with with, with semaglutide in particular, we've seen uh, multiple studies have shown really a profound weight reduction of uh, up to 15% of, of uh, your, your excess weight in, in patients in, in multiple trials now. And, and 15%, you know, 200 pound person, that's a 30 pound weight loss, which is significant. And, and I like the way, and I appreciate the way you gave that history, because again, it's one thing to say I lost weight and I can fit into a Speedo better. But you're seeing significant metabolic improvements and outcomes originally, especially in the diabetic population now extrapolated, which is not just hospitalizations, but also cardiac benefits. And it's kind of interesting when you look at like, well, I have to take another medication, but are you seeing with, with, with these medications or with this medication, then people get off other medications? Do you, are you able to decrease blood pressure pills or lower cholesterol medications or, or other diabetic medications? Is there a secondary benefit with these medications that you're seeing? Yeah, so so we know that with a ten percent weight loss or weight reduction, um, people have the potential to reduce the number of blood pressure medications that they're taking or get off them entirely, uh, reduce the other uh, um, uh, medications that they're taking for diabetes or or for prediabetes, especially if for patients who are on insulin, when they're started on these GLP-1 agonists, uh, the need for insulin 
um, reduces significantly. And many of these patients uh, are getting off of their insulin and and just on these agents with with metformin or 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 even without metformin. Yeah, it, it shows you how sometimes we're screwed up as a society, which is you know a blanket statement. But you take a medication that has significant cost, and we look at it just through the lens of what it costs. But sometimes it could still be cheaper because of decreasing costs elsewhere. Let's put it that exactly. way. And hopefully the medication pricing will become more commensurate towards where they could be broadly used. So you mentioned um, you know the GLP one. Um, uh, receptor agonists, this family of medications that make you feel full with other aspects, which we can also state to the listeners, that is a big component of obesity. It's not eating too much or exercising too little. It, a lot of it does have to do with hunger and satiety, and you could lose weight by starving yourself, but you know that's not sustainable. Um, and that's why these things become well-tolerated. But let's spend a few minutes talking about terzepatide, which did get a lot of press recently based on a clinical trial. Can you tell us a little bit about what's unique about that medication? And um, it's really not being heavily used yet and it's still waiting for some FDA approvals, but where do you see that potentially uh, becoming a, a weapon for us in managing people's weight and the subsequent metabolic and other medical disturbances? Yeah, so terzepatide is, is the newest kid on the block and um, it's, it's, a, it's a novel agent in that it's both a GLP-1 agonist as well as a GIP receptor agonist. So um, it, it works on the same hormones, but from two different angles. And uh, the, the study that you're referring to came out in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, just, just last month or, yeah, just last June. month. Yeah, June. And, um, and, and they compared terzepatide to semaglutide, the, the medication that we were just uh, heralding for all of the great effects. And it really outperformed significantly semaglutide in terms of uh, blood sugar control, um, getting patients off of their insulin. And then their secondary uh, benefit of it was significant weight loss. I mean, we're talking about greater than 20% weight loss, which is encroaching on the amount of weight loss that we see with bariatric surgery, for instance. Um, And so at the highest dose of uh, terzepatide, I believe there was 22.5% 22.5% weight reduction on average. Um, really, you know, that trial was designed to study the glucose lowering effects and it, it really, um, really suppressed uh, the, the, the glucose in these patients. And um, a lot of them actually ended up falling into the range of, of prediabetes or even normal. Uh, yeah. in terms of their hemoglobin A1Cs. So this is a very potent medication without the, the side effects of uh, low blood sugar. Um, it's tolerated very well and has significant weight loss potential. So right now it's FDA, uh, got an expedited FDA review and approval for diabetes, um, but but not yet for, for weight loss. So we're still waiting on that. Right. But again, important to note, it's indicated for diabetic control. Uh, Most weight loss medications we would recommend, especially if there's additional medical components, but it's not there yet. I have had people asking for it. We want to be very clear that um, if we will, it's not ready for prime time. Uh, But but are you optimistic that you do think this will be a weapon for us for weight management for the high risk patients? 
Yeah, I think it's um, I think I think it's certainly an option. And, you know, what I really want to uh, stress is that, you know, these medications, whether it's semaglutide or, or terzepatide, are really to be used in conjunction with lifestyle modifications. And we sure. know that in all these trials and in sub studies that the patients who really achieve the best results are those who are still abiding by, you know, exercising, eating right. Um, you know, if you take a, it's not a, it's not a quick fix uh, deal with these medications and you really have to, um, you really have to want to lose weight and really want to change the way that you're, you're living. Um, But there's great potential for these medications to one control diabetes uh, to quote unquote beat diabetes or, or to um, put uh, a patient's diabetes into remission. Um, and also to help them significantly lose weight and subsequently uh, help with, uh, you know, cardiovascular outcomes and blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. A couple of quick questions before we wrap up. And again, great information, Dapo. I appreciate uh, your, your both your expertise and your ability to articulate um, this message. Um, I mentioned at the beginning, there's no magic pill, which remains the case. And you even mentioned even with these medications, how are these medications administered? So... Uh, semaglutide, uh, which we spoke about first, GLP-1 agonist initially was developed as a subcutaneous injection. So it's a very tiny needle that you uh, inject either in the abdomen or the thigh or the, or the arm uh, once a week. Um, the, there are three uh, branded formulations of semaglutide currently one is indicated for diabetes, that's, that's Ozempic. The other one is, is approved for weight loss, and that's called Wigovi. It's also a, a subcutaneous injection. And then lastly, we have Rebelsis, which is actually a tablet. So an oral tablet um, that is, indi- that is uh, approved for the treatment of diabetes. Um, and it's semagot- so semaglutide has both the subcutaneous and the oral formulation. Currently, terzepatide was used as a subcutaneous ejection once a week. So um, that's the only formulation available right now for terzepatide. Great. And you mentioned they're well-tolerated, but what are some of the more common side effects that you've seen that may have uh, either uh, made, been, been, may have caused you to affect the dose and change the dose or discontinue the medication? So with, with, with this family of medications, re- regardless of which agent you use, um, you want to start low and go slow with them. And that's because uh, as your body adjusts to the, the slowed gastric emptying, so your, your, your stomach empties slower, um, you feel full sooner. The tendency is for us to still try to finish that plate of food that we were able to eat you know, last month. Um, and, and what ultimately results is uh, either nausea, vomiting, GI upset. And that's the primary side effect that we see with this in a very, very small uh, sub, sub, uh, subsect of patients. Uh, there's an increased risk of pancreatitis. But for instance, in the terzepatide trial, I think three out of the, the 9,000 patients that they had um, actually had that as a side effect. So, so very rare. So, uh, but the main, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, the main side effect is really the GI uh, irritation. And, and I think that's important in that these are not just simple, take this pill, see in six months. They do need some manipulation work, titration. And that's why you want to have that good relationship with your doctor who's prescribing the medication or any support staff um, um, in using them. And that's, how, and that's how we found them to be most effective, right? When we have a team-based approach for managing the patients on the medications. Absolutely. Um, any final thoughts, any final comments? What do you, uh, what, 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 you know, optimistic words do you have for the listeners regarding, <laughs> regarding <laughs> the, the, the help in treating this, this epidemic, as we said, of obesity, many of which is not necessarily, it's not necessarily due to willpower or people's weakness. It has a lot of factors involved in what's driving it as a society. Exactly. So, you know, I think that, um, yes, absolutely. There's an obesity epidemic. And I think that a lot of people out there are, are earnest are earnest in their in their uh, effort to to fight obesity to get their weight down. Um, you know they're exercising, they're eating right, they're trying everything, and they hit that wall. And that's where these medications have the opportunity to come in and help them get over that hump. Um, it really in a significant way and and can really improve their health and their their health outcomes. And so I, I think they're phenomenal. I think they're, you know, it's the first time that uh, in my clinic, I can actually recommend something to someone that I believe is safe um, and that's, uh, you know, vetted and approved by, by our, um, you know, our, our federal government or the FDA. Uh, and so I think it's I think it's a great time for for us as uh, cardiometabolic experts to really be be combating uh, obesity and metabolic disease diseases. Couldn't 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 agree more. Very exciting. Thank you, uh, Dr. Elio Made, for your insights and for your time on the podcast. Um, and uh, before we sign off to our listeners, uh, we could really use your help and feedback. Please take a moment to give this podcast a five-star rating on whichever platform you listen to us on. And if you have any comments for a future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.